0: This morning we are closing up this series that we've been nine weeks tracking together through this meaty scripture here in Philippians chapter 4, 8, 9. We had just been looking at verse 8 and today all of a sudden I'm slapping verse 9 on you. And so this is the one where it all of a sudden gets super practical in your life. So go ahead and open your notes up. It says, Our lives are built by the choices we make. You made a decision this morning that connecting with the body of Christ was important. You made a decision to get up earlier than you had to, to round up the kids if you have that responsibility, and you know that's not easy. Sometimes just finding your shoes on a Sunday morning is a chore all by itself. They can you can find them any other day, and suddenly you can't find them. And you made the decision to connect with the body of Christ. You came here to worship. You made decisions to to be here in this presence. And those kinds of decisions are building your life. But guess what? Those decisions don't stop. Those life giving, God honoring decisions don't stop on Sunday morning. You've got to make some the rest of today. You've got to make some tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Friday, and Saturdays, and every day of the week, we're building our lives. And we want to build the kind that we were wired to live. We're wired to live abundant lives. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And you know who cuts the rug out from under our abundant life? It's not God. It's us. By us going our own way and making our own decisions and not following him. See, how we think and what we think about guide our decisions. And our decisions, those are our life-building processes. Let's go ahead and look at Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. We've just torn this scripture all to shreds. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. And before we move on, I want us to re-emphasize that these whatever's, that means that this is a great, old, big, wide-open thing, that there are lots of things that are lovely and lots of things that are noble and pure, and heaven inviting God into your thought process actually expands it instead of contracts it. Yes, where there's some things that get eliminated? Absolutely. But what that does is it frees us up. You only think about so much at a time. It frees us up to really engage on the stuff that really matters. And our creativity and all of this stuff becomes gushing out and who you really are can be expressed in all of these whatever's. But now let Luke at verse 9. The last whatever of this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And there's a place where our thoughts at some point, the whole purpose of a thought Is for it to, at some point, manifest as an action. Manifest as this thing that gets shown up on the outside. The wheels are rolling on the inside. Our minds are in gear all the time. This first part of it tells us how to guide that and the kinds of things to have it done. But at some point, at some point, we've got to begin to put these things into practice. We've got to begin to live them out. We've got to begin for it to show up on the outside. Now, what I don't want this to do is all of a sudden slip into this thing of, okay, I knew it, Pastor Brandon. I knew it. Now's where we get nailed but you better do right or God's going to thump you. I knew it. I'm just waiting on that part. No, that is not that. I'm not talking about that now that we, you better do right here to cover up all of your bad. You've made some dumb things. Now we've got to do things to fix it. And this is your restitution. And this is how all of a sudden you you prove to God your love for him. No, we just embrace it. So many times we can think it's the other. To try to fix something that went awry on the outside. Now, if you've been around Celebration Church for, for a long time, then you've, you've heard this story a few times, but it's one of my favorites. And whenever I was in the sixth grade, then I had had the same haircut since I was about three years old. And my hair is bored straight. I mean, you know, thankfully, it's just kind of this pokey thing still works right now. At some point, it won't, and I'll have to do something else with my hair, but my hair is just straight. If I had no goop in my hair, I would just look like a newborn chicken. It would just be all poop. Sticking out, like a fuzzball. I just, it's just, it's just sad, the way I look. And so, and, um, so I have to put goop in it and make it do something. And my mom, my mom's awesome and she loves me and, she, and my mom's a, she's a thinker and she, she likes to jump in the middle and do things and she was looking at my hair. And when you're in the sixth grade, you're kind of in that low still where you're pretty much still kind of a kid and you just gotta just roll with whatever your mom says. And, she doesn't ask your opinion a whole lot. As you get older, she begins to ask your opinion a little bit. But she didn't ask my opinion. And I'm at speedball practice, and which most of y'all know that I'm not athletic. And so I'm trying to do something athletic. And, and I'm at speedball practice. And my mom rolls up. And she rolls up onto the, the field and gets out and goes and talks to my coach. And my coach signals over here, I'm clueless what's going on. But I'm getting out of speedball practice, so it's not too bad. And um, so she gets me and, th- and puts me in the vehicle and says, we've got an appointment. Well, now here's this mysterious appointment, and I have no idea what's going on. So we load up, and she drives. And I don't know if I'm going to the doctor. I don't know where I'm going. And she carries me to the lady that does her hair. And they have decided that because my hair is so board straight, that it needs some help to relax. She needs to relax. Of course, this is the '80s, folks. Everybody have perms. So they decided that a perm was what would just be there, and they would put it on just a little bit and just kind of make my hair relax a little bit, and it would be okay. So, they got the biggest rods that you could get. I mean, these are just big old fat rods, not the little tight afro rods, the big ones. And they had the big rods, and she put it all, and for some reason, all they wanted to do was to just fix my hair on the top. Not on the sides, not on the back. Just so that my bangs and stuff would kind of go in a new direction. Now, at this point in time, I don't know what happened. But the curly mullet was in. Does anybody remember the curly mullet? <laughs> just right here on the back. And permed right there on the back. The curly mullet was cool in Odessa, Texas. And, and all over Texas. And so, but it was on the back. Well, this one gets the big rods on the top. And I'm just like, I feel stuck. I can't, I'm not lifting my mom. I'm being respectful. And like, can't believe this is happening to me. And the lady puts the stuff in my hair and puts on the stuff, and it stings horribly. And she leaves it off for half the time. They worked the plan. They did. And then she rinses it off and she pulls the rods out. And my hair, like, loved that stuff. And it just, it just drank it. And it was just, when she pulled the rods out, it went boom! <laughs> And so I had all of these hard, mean ringlets on the top of my head. And everything else is bored straight everywhere else. They tried everything to get that hair to do something else. So my mom's just starting to cry and she just feels terrible. And it's just nobody wore a burr back then. I mean no back then you either had long hair, you had that thing where you brushed and you had the cool wings. That was still barely in style, but you had to have hair. And so it was just this, and I just, I, I looked like a 12-year-old with a bad toupee. I mean, everything is straight, and then here's just this stuff on the top of my head. It was horrible. But well, this is 1985, folks. Miami Vice is awesome. And Don Johnson is cool. And he wore some cool clothes with the jackets pushed up and the t-shirts and the linen pants. And my mom decided that to help me go to school and face everyone, that it would be if I had some new clothes. So that maybe it was just this whole new look and people wouldn't be looking at my hair as much. And it would just kind of the whole package. So I'm in the sixth grade and I wear a jacket to school. Well, my sleeves pushed up, but they didn't have the cool, bright colored undershirt. Instead, she got like this Hawaiian y flowery shirt. <laughs> but, and so I have it open and have the ringlets on the top of my hair. And my mom tried to curl it in. I oh, want a few oh. boys that have been burned on the forehead with the curling iron. <laughs> and sitting on my mom, she's just feeling terrible. She's trying. She was trying so hard. And so she dressed me all up to try to make this thing be fixed. And instead of Don Johnson from Miami Vice, man, I look like Herb from WKRP. <laughs> <laughs> Loud shirt, crazy hair, and all you people under 30 said, Her? <laughs> look it up. I'm telling you, Google it, after church. All right right now. You'll go. I get it. W-K-R-P. It was terrible. And so and I go to school and somehow I didn't get ridiculed and I somehow I survived and it finally got long enough to cut off. But, man, I will never forget that moment. And so many times we can make mistakes and think that, man, we need, if we'll just dress it up a little bit on the outside, then it's going to be okay. We're not talking, we're getting this about talking about putting stuff into practice We're not talking about trying to dress up our mistakes and all our stuff. Man, there's a phrase that's floated around in this concept of fake it till you make it. No. Let's be honest and understand that God loves us. But when he speaks to our hearts, there comes a moment where we have to follow through and do what he says. He begins to reveal something. Here's a new way of life I have for you. You're going round and round doing the same thing. My grace is sufficient for you.
1: Let's make
0: a new decision. And at some point, you've got to put that decision into practice. And it should be this beautiful act of faith. See, trusting God means being willing to do things His way. Trust puts into practice the things God teaches us. Things, its that's what trust does. This putting into practice is this trust factor of saying, God, I've been thinking of whatever is noble, and you, you've given me these ideas of things that are lovely, and, and I see my life in a different way, and God, because I believe you, I'm now going to make some decisions I've never made before and do some things some different ways. Even though everything within me wants to do it my own way, I'm going to go your way. And that is living a life trusting God. Not trying to do something to prove to him and say, Look, God, I'm being better. I'm being better now. No. It's the fact that you say, God, I'm going to do this because I feel like you're prompting me. And God, I'm trusting you because if I do this on my own, I'm going to fall on my face. But because you said so. I'm going to do it. I love it that our teens are four-time camp champs, four times in a row. And the thing is, is what has set our group apart is they have been willing to put it in practice. Really at camp, everybody has the same opportunity to earn points. Everybody does. And the thing that makes the difference is they give you so many scriptures, about a dozen scriptures, Right? and that are, that are there, and for everyone that one of your campers memorizes and goes and speaks it to one of the leaders, they get so many points. That's open to everybody, but our group is willing. It's like, here's this key, here's this secret to be able to have a great camp experience, and they put it into practice. They intensely put it into practice. And that is what's made the difference. It's not that our group is any smarter, any faster, any more athletic in it. It's that our group is simply hungry for God and willing to put it into practice. Willing to just, just be there and be fully engaged. Matthew 7. This is this place where Jesus talks about these two different groups of people. Who puts things into practice and who doesn't. Let's look at verse 24. It says, therefore, any, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. The rains are pouring. The stream is rising. The wind is pounding. It's the same circumstances. And then making the wise decision didn't say, okay, well now you're not going to have these unpleasant circumstances. It's the fact that the results on the other side of it are going to be significantly different. Because in verse 26 it says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and both, heard the words both did you'd almost go all oh, those sad little people that didn't hear the words and the stream throws. and but these people heard he's not talking about anybody else but those who are hearing his word there are those who hear it and put it into practice and those who just ignore it and move on but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice it's super simple that's one variable Real easy experiment here. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now you know what? The sand might have a little bit better view. A little easier access to fun. A little easier access to going fishing and that kind of stuff. Certainly your resources, you're certainly not having to carry them uphill to build your place. You're having to build it on the rock. You're taking it to a high place. Maybe it's not as convenient. Maybe there's a little more effort. Maybe it's a little more unpleasant to put it on the high place. But look what happens. They're just like, nah, I'm pretty cool here. The rain came down. Same stuff. Streams rose. Here it comes. The wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. What a great crash. What's the difference? It's putting it into practice, these things that God speaks to our hearts. I love worship. I love our moments together. And I'm telling you, God reminds me and speaks to me during our times of worship, during my personal time of worship, as much as anything else. My time of the Word and my time of worship. And I guarantee you that there are some of you here this morning that you had a sweet moment with God. You finally let the worries of the world kind of shut down and you heard the voice of God and some of you got some clarity this morning. Some of you are there in the middle of it. You're like, "Mm, this is, there's some stuff I need to do. There's some stuff, some new decisions I need to make. You've heard his word. Now it's time to put it into practice. When we do that, it is a beautiful act of faith. See the guy who has his house put in the rock. Man, when the storm's blowing and everything everything's going crazy, he's nice and cozy inside, and he gets this really cool light show and lightning and all this stuff, and he's just sipping his coffee and he's cool. Man, the guy down here, every the wheels are falling off, his walls are coming in. It's the worst thing that ever happened to that guy. And this other guy is enjoying it. How many of us enjoy a good storm when we're inside? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. One of my early memories. And, you know, this was a, <clears throat> I was about 10 years old in West Texas. and the winds were blowing through, and I'll go and open my window up, and there I am. Normally that's the creepy time, you know. But I just watch all of the lightning and all that, and, man, it was beautiful. Because I was safe and secure on the inside of my home. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as high as the heavens are above the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. His ways are just different than ours. That's why it requires trust. We typically want to go, God, I want to do it this way, Please make it work. Bless me. I'm doing it this way. This is the way I want to do it. God bless it. He's like, I want you to do it this way. <laughs> I don't like that way, God. That makes me uncomfortable. That I, 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 seems creeped out. I, I, I'm, I'm doing it this way. God bless it. Bless it, God. Here I am. I'm going. I'm doing it. Bless it, God. And he says, my ways aren't your ways. And living the life of faith is embracing and sometimes we're going to be in the tension between our way and God's way. And living on faith says, all right, God is uncomfortable as this makes me. I'm going to do it your way. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says, for we live, some translations say, walk by faith and not by sight. I'm telling you, when we walk by, <clears throat> when we walk by sight instead of by faith, faith gives us freedom. How much? How much? How How wonderful is it to be able to have access to understand and have the Holy Spirit speak to us and He has information we don't have so that we can now step out and when things where we go, okay, based on what I see, this is the decision I'm going to make. And the Holy Spirit said, based on what I see, this is what you need to do. We're like, whoo, it should be awesome, thank you. But if we, as soon as we begin to go, well, I'm going to base it on what I see, the freedom we should live in it's completely removed, because we're locked down, All it's simply us. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was summer camp it was always an awesome time. And um, there in the summers, we used to have to go to camp twice. They had a really large group, and we would take about 45 and 45. And a lot of these kids had never been away from home. We had a bus program, and we were reaching out to kids. These weren't church kids. And we would take them to camp. They'd never been to a place like that. They'd never been to the woods. Never been to anything like that. And we had to have, had to have really good sponsors because a bunch of these kids were knuckleheads. I mean, they, they were just knuckleheads. We were just hoping, Lord, I'm having an awesome experience at camps, So we don't hurt them and they don't hurt us. And uh, so one night they decide, about eight of them, decide that they are going to sneak out. So they're going to sneak out, and this eight boys decided they're going to sneak out and just roam this 500-acre town. Problem was, they'd never been out into the woods, so they would not go anywhere there was not light. This 500 acres for them to go and just enjoy. It was dark, so they stayed in the light, and they were hiding behind cars, and they were running around. And it was so easy to catch them because they'd get up to the edge. These are 15, 16, 17-year-old boys. And they get up where it would be dark. And they're like, I ain't going there. I'm busting. And <laughs> go back into it. All this freedom. they would already snuck out. they had done the hard part. All this freedom in front of them. And they were so freaked out. Because they could not go where they could not see. We must be willing to live this full life. We must be willing to do it. See, Luke 8, 19 says, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. They're like, Hey, you know, your family's here. And Jesus gives what seems to be a little bit of a rude reply. He doesn't say, Oh, awesome, mama's here. My family's here. Send them in. He turns it into this teaching moment, and says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the definition. That's who it is. That's who, who, how we are connected with the family of God. It is by embracing who Jesus is and hearing his words and fully laying hold on them. It says, put into practice Not put into perfection. So many times we're intimidated. That's the whole beauty of grace is we can now live this life and we can pursue God fully. Not being afraid that when we fail, we've blown it we start all the way over at the bottom. have to work our way up. We just courageously live for God and we're human and we're going to blow it along the way. And God's love and grace covers us and we just keep moving forward. But man, I was locked down. My camp experience, I have shared with y'all before, a summer before my senior year, changed my life. And I was in a struggle all week long because man, I, I I recognized God wanted to do something in my life majorly. Little did I know that from that summer then to, the, to just the... A little bit while later, about a year and a half later, I'd be meeting my wife. Nine months after that, we would be getting married. No nine-month correlation, by the way. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, and then time after that, considerable amount of time, Keenan was born. And, um, and so, anyways, but man, God, it was just pulling on my heart that there was this urgency. And the only thing holding me back only oh, thing hold me back, I was like, God, I just, I know me, God. I know me. In two weeks, and I'm going to just blow it. I can't do this two weeks. I can't live the life I thought I had to live as a Christ follower. For any longer than two weeks, I'll be exhausted. I'll, 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 I'll blow it. And that's, that's all I kept telling him, night after night after night. And finally, I was like, all right, God, I'll just go with you. Still knowing in my heart with this weight that I had this responsibility that to say yes to him in that moment meant all of a sudden to just do everything super Christian and do everything just right. And I left camp free on one part because I would said yes to Christ and he was moving in my heart and that changed my life forever more than I even understood. But weighed down on another part because I thought I had to walk this out perfectly. I didn't. I just had to trust him. I just hadn't understood that he knew who he was talking to. I was trying to convince him. You recognize you're talking to Brandon Clark. You're saying this to me. I'm not in a good place right now, God. He's like, I know who I'm talking to. good. And move forward with God from there. See Second Corinthians twelve, nine. We're so uncomfortable with our weaknesses, especially as Americans. Man, we're not comfortable with it. But but it said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties and all the stuff that can trip us up. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because he's not relying on himself to be Mr. Awesome in that moment. He's relying on the strength of God. I want to make sure we get this concept in as we're closing. Putting into practice requires trust in God and leaving the results to Him. Knowing we are 100% right with Him. We're not trying to do things to be right with Him. We're His children. We We are saved by faith through grace. We are connected with Him putting into practice requires trust in God and leaves the results to Him, but putting into perfection requires trust in ourselves and making our own results. He just wants us to say, yep, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Hebrews 7.11 If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, that means the, the old law and its ways, And indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood. Why was there a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Trying to live up to this legalistic set of rules that didn't bring perfection. Faith in Christ, that's what makes us perfectly right with God. Hebrews, jump on down to verse 17. For for it is declared you are a priest forever. This is... It was declared to Jesus in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. This connection with God through Jesus Christ. And then Hebrews 10 says, For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever. Isn't that awesome? By one sacrifice, He's made you and I perfect forever. Those who are being made holy were perfect, and He's still bringing about a holiness. He's still working this thing where we regularly represent Him. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, He says, "This is the covenant I will make with them after that time," says the Lord. I will put My laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And Then he adds their sins and their lawless acts. I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrificed for sins, no longer necessary. Jesus, so we do We're right with him. We are heaven ready in the moment we place our faith in him. And then we just walk with him. We trust him. We move forward with him. Holy Spirit speaks. And we just step out there, weaknesses and all, and trust Him. We want to create a quiet moment. For those who need to do that, to step over from death to life, can do that. I'm not saying, hey Pastor Brandon, I'm ready to put everything into practice. I'm saying, I'm not saying right that right now. What I'm saying is, are you ready to put your faith in Jesus? Are you ready to say yes to Him? He says, I offer it to you. I did all the work, and it's yours to have. Are you going to say yes to it? If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. And you embrace the salvation that is yours by simply believing He gives it to you. Awesome. Awesome. That's so good. Let's just... uh, Lift our voices with these. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that his sacrifice was enough. I believe he died for me and now I can live for you. Not in my own strength, but in the grace you give. I choose to follow you today. I thank you for accepting me right where I am. And your Holy Spirit is going to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, as we're wrapping this up, I want you to just take a moment. All of us that there's something the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us. Maybe it has to do with the relationship. Maybe it has something to do really, really practical, like your health, your finances. Maybe it has something to do directly with your relationship with God. But there's something the Holy Spirit's just been saying, hey, let's 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 move forward with this. I want want to just challenge you. In this moment, just say, God. When you remind me of it, I'm going to move forward with you. And that's it. That's it. And then as the Holy Spirit reminds you, do it. That's what this life's about. Let's stand up. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those that have come here this morning. I thank you for the life-giving decisions that have been made. Lord, to connect with your body and to hear your word and for our lives to be changed. God, we thank you that we have a relationship with you that is completely based on what you did for us. And, Lord, as we put things into practice, it's not that we're earning anything. It's, God, it's that your ways are better. And, Lord, and, that, and following you releases us to live a life the Lord, that we were wired by you to live. Lord, we choose to quit going our own way, and we choose to follow you. Lord, we just acknowledge you love us and you want what's good for us and your ways are better. And we're going to walk in them. And Lord, I just call blessings over everyone that's here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank y'all for being with us. Remember, at the pool this Wednesday, bring your friends, bring your kids, bring some food. (laughs) I It took me forever. you
1: know,
0: the Thank <laughs> you. Thank you sir, enjoy the service? Very good, I hope you come back to I know, it's <laughs> like a <laughs> water. Look at it, you it is. Does it sound like fireflies? I want to do this song. Let's do this song. you <laughs>